Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. You're watching The Hash on Coindesk TV, where we bring you the latest and greatest in crypto and culture, and sometimes there are shenanigans. I'm Jen Sinassi. Will Foxley's here with us today. Zach Seward. And Wendy O, Zach, you got our first story, so take it away. All right, let's do it. The world loves a good crypto billionaire headline. And this one from NBC News about Sam Bankman-Fried's plans to spend big bucks on the 2024 election cycle here in the U.S. is a good one. The plan, SBF says, is to spend north of $100 million for the 2024 cycle with a soft ceiling, quote unquote, of $1 billion. So that is the scope of SBF's ambitions in the political space. Interesting to see this. We saw him in the Bahamas late last month, cozying up with former Prime Minister Tony Blair and former U.S. President Bill Clinton. And his aspirations to fund candidates of his choice, I think, are ramping up. I'm going to toss this straight to Jen for her thoughts on SBF making some comments on his big political spend. That is a lot of money, I must say. I was reading this, and I think later on in the article it compared... I don't want to call it his commitment because he hasn't committed it, but they compared his amount to some other big donors. And there was a vast, vast difference. I think the highest other donors have given was in like the 200 million. So a soft ceiling of 1 billion is insane. In the podcast, he said that the amount he spends would be super contingent and dependent on who's running, where and why. He said, I think that I'm going to be looking at a lot less at political parties from that perspective and a lot more on sane governance and ads for things that I care about most. And so this is in line with his altruism. He has committed to giving all of his money back to the causes that he supports. Obviously, he's not going to say if he wants to have influence in government, especially when it comes to regulation in the sector that he operates, the sector that has helped him make the billions of dollars that he has. So he's not going to say that. And so I think everything he said is kind of in line with what we know about SBF. But Zach, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, I just kind of love like sort of the nerdy detail with which he sort of articulates this thing. I'm just imagining SBF sort of in his, you know, 
jittery, super smart guy kind of <laughs> cadence, you know, laying out this detailed, very thought out process. And then it obviously sort of being spun into this big headline that suggests nefarious intent or something like that. But it is interesting to see him unpack the ideas behind this. And this isn't the first time he spent big on political campaigns, right? I think he was something like the second largest donor to the Biden campaign last cycle. So political influence is certainly something that's been on his mind for more than a minute now. I'll toss it to Will for his thoughts. The interesting thing to me here is the fact that he wants to give all his money, but his stated goal for his life and for his career and the purpose of all the money he's making with these businesses is effective altruism, which is the idea of like, I can make a lot of money and then I'm going to donate it to as many different places as possible with the intent of helping as many people as possible. And it seems that he's identified politics and political movements as the key way to help people's lives out. I think a lot of people would disagree with that. They would say, hey, you need like donate to charities. There's other ways you can get involved. There's other places that this money could go to to help people out. But he's choosing the political realm and he's definitely moved into one side of the political realm, right? So we're having a crypto billionaire, which is a first move into politics and start swinging around big checks just for one side of the constituency. I think that only adds some fuel to the fire, the fact that crypto is slowly becoming more divisive between political camps. And once you see more money moving into it, become even more divisive. We've seen like a lot of big R Republicans like Ted Cruz get on top of like Bitcoin mining or get on top of Bitcoin and speak a lot about it. We've also seen in the opposite camp, uh, some others like Senator Warren from Massachusetts be against crypto. And so now we have like a weird issue where SBF is going to donate a lot of money seemingly to Democratic Party candidates. That's what he's done in the past. And if he's going to do that going forward, then a lot of those money will hit people who are not necessarily friends of crypto or haven't been friends of crypto historically or constituents with people who are not friends of crypto. I'm wondering how that changes Democratic approach to crypto. I'm wondering what that does to the Republican basis as well. I know we've talked a little bit about politics on the show and it's not my favorite thing to talk about, but I do think SBF moving into this with a big check is only going to make things more interesting. Wendy, your take? So there's a lot of things to kind of unpack about this. And I feel like we need an entire show, but Sam has been a friend of mine for quite some time. He's been on the show. Absolutely amazing guy. But I just feel like we have seen the United States government do so many irresponsible things when it comes to funding and taxpayer dollars and money. I just not sure how this is going. Well, I do have an idea how this is going to work out. And I hope it's positive for crypto. But at the same time, is this the right way to go about it? You know, if you want to donate to different types of charities like community centers, I think that we're kind of more in need with that. And we know that regulation is coming when it comes to cryptocurrency, stablecoins, Bitcoin, all of these things in the United States. But is this the right way to go? Or I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here, in my personal opinion. And I'm going to have to make a dedicated video on it. Yeah, SBF good, definitely stays interesting. He is sort of, again, I think he's in that process of transcending from crypto celebrity to potentially mainstream celebrity in really interesting ways. You know, you see these print campaigns in like Vogue with SBF and his head of luxury partnerships. It's just like a funny moment in which SBF may be transcending the crypto sphere. But Good for hey, he'll yeah. run for president. For another day, I am pulsing my leg in sympathy with SBF right now. All right, let's go. Uh, Will, <laughs> you are talking about something else now. Will, go. Yes, let's talk about Andreessen Horowitz, which has raised another fund for crypto, $4.5 billion. This comes after they've raised two other funds in the last two years for crypto. This is their largest to date. And it also comes amidst a bear market. 
interesting bit from Chris Dixon, who is one of the GPs. I don't know if he's GP or LP, but he's high up at A16Z. He said in a blog article announcing this new raise that since the advent of computing in the 1940s, there's been a major computing cycle every 10 to 15 years. We believe blockchains will power the next majority computing cycle, which we call crypto or Web3. So they're putting their money into a lot of these Web3 products, a lot of products that are not doing well right now. A lot of these coins are down 80-90%, but that's not stopping them. They see Web3 products, privacy products, metaverse products, all those things being the next wave of financial and computing revolutions. And so they're going all in with the big checks. Wendy, I want to get your take on this story. So I feel like it's kind of like throwing a dart and seeing what hits and what doesn't, because like you said, we are definitely in a bearish cycle. We're like on this impending verge of a bear market. So, I mean, maybe looking to get coins that are at a very discounted price or investing in these products may be a good idea, but let's face it. A lot of crypto projects do not make it through an actual bear market. There's different things that happen because entrepreneurship is hard. So I feel like it's going to be interesting to see what their strike rate is at the start of the next bull market and see if any of these picks actually stick. But I will say it is important to follow the money. Maybe they're investing this type of money to possibly be able to write it off on taxes. Who knows? Or they maybe know something that we don't. But I think it is important to know what they're investing in and dissecting why they're doing that. I think A16Z has shown us that they just really, really, really believe in Web3 and they're going to put their money where their mouth is. I love watching Chris Dixon on Twitter. He just takes on all the maxis when it comes to Web3. He's constantly arguing with Jack Dorsey. And it's great to see that, I mean, they're putting all this money into Web3 and it seems like they really, they really believe in it. When it comes to the products they're investing in, I think the article said about a quarter of that $4.5 billion is going to be committed to seed rounds. And so like you said, Will, I think that they're looking at products that not only have a coin or a token attached, but products that can build out the Web3 ecosystem. When we look at privacy or advertising, all the things outside of the financial realm, how NFTs might look, how are we going to operate in the metaverse? I think it's smart to do that in the bear market. We've spoken about this before. The bear market is when the building happens, and then we'll see if the building was worth it when the next bull market comes around. And when, when we can really target the mainstream, when they're excited about crypto again. But Zach, I'll pass it off to you. Yeah. So, you know, if $4.5 billion wasn't enough, as if it wasn't even enough, they also, Chris Dixon and Mark Andreessen became partners in Volt Capital's new $50 million fund, which is a fund run by Suna Amaz. And I think she kind of captured the sentiment pretty well in a piece that we ran this morning about that new effort. And she says, you know, now is the time to be doubling down on these investments. And that's something that might be applicable to other people across the crypto space. They say, okay, cool. We're here for the long haul. We still maintain our thesis that this is going to be the reinvention of the internet. And now, as this market cycle that we've seen previously happens again, now is a good time to deploy some fresh capital and see who the hits of the next run are, right? Who's the next Solana in 2024, right? Who's the next big project that pops in a way that, again, escalates sort of this climbing, plateauing, evolution, these markets and these technologies. And I think VCs typically are here for the long haul, especially with this $4.5 billion new war chest. But Wendy, I'll throw it to you. Really quick. I just think it's important to note again, what are they investing in? Is there going to be different unlocks? I feel like as investors, we need to become more savvy and pay attention to where this big money is going and see how this money is being utilized. Are they getting tokens in returns, et cetera? 
I also think if this is the start of the actual bear market, yes, we're in a bear cycle. Right now is not necessarily the time to jump in as a retail investor, but to take a step back and watch what's happening. Because in 2017, we saw a lot of things go away and a lot of things lose a lot of value, 80 to 90%, if not more. And he never came back for the next cycle. It's true. All right. So the NFL is launching a play to earn game in 2023. That is next year. The partnership with Mythical Games will see the league release a web and mobile game called NFL Rivals, kicked off by the sales of 32 franchise-themed NFTs. So it sounds like players are going to be able to create teams and then trade NFTs that are associated with players. That's all I know about it right now, but it sounds kind of cool. Wendy, I know that you are into play to earn games. So I'm going to kick it off to you first. What do you think of the NFL getting into this? I absolutely love play to earn games. I find myself playing bejeweled and not earning anything. And then I think, why am I wasting my time? I should go read a book. But the NFL is big, massive, well, the fun, but I want to make money too. Okay. This is bear market (laughs) stuff. The NFL is big. Their their fans are die hard fans. So the fact that we're going to see a game coming into the space with NFTs, play to earn, that is going to appeal to so many people. And in addition to this, I think that it's also going to be interesting to see if what type of paywall is there. One of the biggest issues I have with a lot of play to earn games is there is a paywall. I don't like that because I feel like these types of things should be accessible to everyone. So it's going to be interesting how they kind of shift to that also too. Shout out to the Seahawks. Is that too much to take from here? No, you're a Seahawks fan. Actually, Eli Tan, who reported this story, also a Seahawks fan. You guys should geek out about the what? Seahawks at some point. Yeah, pretty crazy. Wild. Anyway, yeah, NFL, like, low-key is doing a lot of crypto stuff. They have, like, some teams in the league are doing a fan token pilot with Socios, which was a big platform over in European football, now sort of making the jump over to this side of the pond. A number of just interesting things, you know, obviously there's sort of like the NBA Top Shot equivalent called, I think it's like NFL All Day uh, that they do in partnership with Dapper Labs. So quietly, the NFL is getting pretty, I think, experimental with what crypto is going to look like for the league going forward. It's going to be interesting to see if these announcements kind of taper off as the market dies down and some of the more mainstream interest in the space maybe tapers away. But they are sort of planting the seeds for a more Web3 savvy approach to fan engagement people end up doing this stuff. You know, if crypto fantasy football becomes a thing, you kind of see it becoming a thing. But still, we're so early in sort of the adoption cycle that it may not happen anytime soon. So it's interesting these experiments pop up, a continued interest by the NFL and its teams in crypto. And I don't know, maybe we'll check it out. Maybe I'll go play some of this. What do you think, Will? I don't get these things still. Like, it would be cool if it made (laughs) sense, but it just doesn't make Who's paying for you to play this? Like, they still don't answer that. And I don't see anything in this document. Maybe they have like, some idea of going forward. Maybe it's not in this roadmap that we see right now. And there could be things in there, right? You could have some sort of in-game economy where like people are swapping NFTs with jerseys or they're swapping players and you're paying for that. And then like there's like a tax on it. It goes back to the game and then you earn uh, revenue from that tax base for the game. Like I'm just spitballing here. I'd love to see some sort of roadmap for these things because I'm just coming up with this right now on the spot. But I don't see any of these play to earn games talk about what the roadmap mm-hmm. is besides a token that is pumped up by retail and then dies. That's what happened with Axie Affinity last year. It was a huge game. A lot of people in the Philippines were playing it. A lot of people were playing the game as a livelihood. And then the token dried up mm-hmm. as these tokens do. And people were out of jobs. So I, I just don't get it. I want to see roadmap. I want to see some sort of revenue scheme that makes sense for play to earn to work. Wendy, can you like argue with me or tell me I'm wrong or 
I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because I value everybody's opinion. And I think it's a good discussion to have. What I do think is, I can be a little bit petty at times. So you guys be careful. I'm just kidding. But one thing I think we're going to see, I think, I think we're going to see a lot of these play to earn projects because there's some that are pretty successful. Supremacy is successful. Gala Games is successful. And I'm invested in both of those, full disclosure. But I think that what's going to happen, we're going to see a lot of their token structures potentially change to kind of compete with this bear market price stuff that's happening. So it'll kind of be a good test of what we can expect for future markets. But play to earn is not going away. Why would you want to play a game, not earn anything when you can play a game and maybe earn 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is? Jen? Wendy, I have to say lots of people play games right now and don't earn anything. And so I think getting them to migrate over, it's going to take a lot of work. But I do think we're going to get there. I do agree with you. Eventually, I think we are going to have these economies around games. I don't know what they're going to look like. Will, I imagined as you were talking, like the people who made this game are like taking notes. Like, yeah, we actually do need to figure that out. I wanted to touch on, on Wendy, what you said in terms of accessibility. So with Axie Infinity, you needed NFTs to start playing the game, to start contributing to your livelihood. A lot of the people who are playing these games we're from areas where they maybe didn't have that startup cash to get into the game. And there are different organizations that were set up. One, I believe, was through Sam Bankman Freed or one of his ventures, whatever, who sponsored NFTs for people who were playing this game. And this NFL game, I don't know how it's going to work, but they said that you do need NFTs to start playing. I stumbled across a Vanity Fair interview with Neil Stevenson, the author of Snow Crash, who coined the term the metaverse from 2017. And the reporter asked him, class and privilege play a huge role in your metaverse. If you can afford a certain kind of avatar, your experience is going to be better. Do you see any parallel to that in the present day? So they asked him this question in 2017. And he said, no, let's just leave it to sci-fi. And I think it's really interesting that we're seeing that now play out with NFTs. If you can afford the NFTs, if you can afford to get into these games and into these different metaverse applications, then you can be there. But a large portion of the population is still kind of locked out if they don't have that money. And that is the end of my rant. Really quickly, we all know that the NFL has a massive fan base. What if you go to an NFL game and you get airdropped these NFTs to kind of get started? I don't know about you guys. I'm going to date myself. But I remember ordering Pizza Hut pizza my mom ordered for us. And on that Pizza Hut box, there was a Tony Hawk Gator game that was there that gave you the demo. So you had access to actually play. And I became obsessed with the game. Me and my friends, we love to play it. And then I think eventually my mom bought us the actual game. But I feel like they're going to do something like that is they're going to give fans an NFT to get them started. And then from there, you know how fanatical football fans are and sports fans are. It's just going to be a downward rabbit hole for them. I can't Should wait to cover see videos of you, of you playing this game, Wendy. <laughs> you have to make It'll so be, much I content. Will. I will follow the journey. Okay. We'll play against each other though. No one rebuffed what I was saying. I just want to make a note. No one disagreed with what I was saying. No one could answer my argument. Well, fans learn about airdrops, dude. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be game changers. I will say that. They are. We airdrop stimulus checks to people. So why can't we airdrop NFTs for football? Okay. Okay. Solid rebuttal there. A little late, but solid rebuttal. There we go. Well, we found you it. are going to get a thumbs down after this show. Thumbs up. That's okay. HR. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay. thumbs up. Talking about airdrops, we're going to talk about ApeCoin, which did an airdrop pretty recently. Wendy's we picking that one and up for metaverse migration with AVAX, right? Yep. This is my store. I'm excited. Also, to you guys, I have a mutant ape. I've got some land. 
I got the ApeCoin airdrop, but Avalanche submits subnet proposal for ApeCoin's DAO metaverse migration. So we all know when that whole other side land thing happened, it was an absolute nightmare. You first off, you had to KYC for it. Some people didn't do that, like myself, so I had to wait till later. But it clogged the network up so much, ETH was absolutely unusable. So now we're seeing a lot of very, very big projects come to Board Ape Yacht Club, to Yuga Labs, and be like, hey, if you merge over and you work with us, we're going to give you this amount of money. And in this particular article, let's see what they say. I think that they want to go ahead and give approximately $290 million as an incentive program to support development costs, as well as technical expertise and marketing support. I also want to say that Matic Polygon offered something similar, but I think that the folks over at Yuga Labs, they are probably going to work with the company that's going to give them the most money and support. Jen, do you want to take this now? Or Zach? I'll go fight, super fight, quickly fight. and then Zach... Okay, okay, no, Zach, go, go. You seem really excited. I just want to fact check, Gus, before the people arguing for decentralization theater get really mad at us. So Yuga Labs is not in charge of making this decision. Yuga Labs says, hey, Dow, we strongly encourage you to think about migrating chains so that the future of this project... We strongly can encourage scale. you. <laughs> so that I'm was just going to say that. I'm That's just going to say that because <laughs> you don't want to say that Yuga Labs is doing this, Wendy. You'll get some SCT. monkeys on your back. You know what? I like to, I like to cut to through this. the BS, though. I got to cut through I it. I know you do, but believe me, I fought this fight. You have to say it precisely here, okay? Okay. Point Dow is the one who is making this decision, not Yuga Labs. I got nothing to do with it. They have encouraged publicly that Acoin Dow should be considering this. It is Acoin Dow. All right. So Zach, at what point in your journalism out. career did you, did you think you'd come to this conversation? It's a fascinating conversation. It's a lot. When we're talking about DAOs, well, I guess we have to save... I should actually have you guys on my show and we can argue this because we're talking about DAOs. Are DAOs really fair? Is the community that's really a, in That's charge? a great question. That's a great question I for think, another day. Mm. And, that is a great question. I think if you looked into who's actually voting in a lot of these DAOs, I think we might find that they're are a few people making decisions and who have the right amount of tokens to make these decisions. But yeah, it's a conversation for another day. All right, Jen, I'm done with my spiel. I totally interrupted you. So you can go from here. Okay. I have a question. Has Ethereum almost become like the luxury chain? Like if you can afford to pay Ethereum fees, like you are at the top of the crypto game. And I feel like that's where Board Ape Yacht Club is. Board Ape Yacht Club owners can afford to pay these fees. They were paying upwards of $44,000 in gas fees to Mintland for the other side project. And as I read through this article, there was a quote in there. It said, not all ape holders are in favor of this. The quote said, we should not move out of Ethereum ever. And this was the most liked comment on this proposal. And so I have yet to see a lot of traction when it comes to other chains. And this to me, it's just similar to like branding. I feel like Ethereum is the brand for NFTs and I haven't seen any other chains that have built up that brand. And I wonder what it's going to take because the fees are insane. The congestion is crazy, but maybe when they can fix that, people just want to stay on Ethereum or go for one of the layer twos. I don't know, Zach, what do you think? I think it's a great point. I think it's like practicality versus prestige, right? You know, some of these chains are just like inarguably faster and cheaper to get things done but they don't come with sort of the cachet that the Ethereum mainnet does. And the advantages of the Ethereum mainnet, again, being where the party is, where the people are. So it is a conversation that I think is going to unfold. You know, Avalanche is not the only suitor in this instance. The builders of the Flow blockchain, Dapper Labs, have also been in touch. 
with members of this project, asking them maybe to consider this network instead. Um, but it is sort of, again, that philosophical tension, I think, between prestige and practicality when it comes to making these things accessible and easy to folks, or do you want to be you know, where the critical mass is? And still, I think the critical mass in terms of NFT value is with Ethereum. So it's going to be interesting to see what the decision ultimately looks like and whether or not people vote with their tokens to migrate this to a different chain. I don't know, Wendy, what do you think? You might be plugged into the Discord. You might be seeing these conversations unfold. What's the vibe? Yeah, tell us. I honestly feel that the board eight people, they're probably going to want to stay on Ethereum, like you said, because of the prestige. And I feel like Ethereum is just like easier to use because sometimes when you have to go over to a layer two, you have to do all this stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I get a, bit, a little bit lazy at times. I think that with board Apes, all of this stuff, it will stay on Ethereum for quite some time unless the DAO suggests otherwise. But I also kind of want to bring it back to the NFL story. Do we know what chain that they're going to use when it launches? It's on the mythical. I think there's a thing called like the mythical chain. I don't know on what technology that's based, but I think it's on okay. mythical's like in-house blockchain. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to depend per project. Like everybody's talking about Soul Summer, those NFTs kicking off. And depending on what project or what network, when I say network, I'm not talking about a blockchain network. I'm talking about a network of actual in real life people. We're going to have to see who's using what and doing what, because I don't think that this NFL project, they're not going to be able to sustain on Ethereum with those costs because the average income of an NFL fan might not be able to afford those high Ethereum costs. But Zach, go ahead. Yeah, you know, it's the thing that we saw, I guess it was earlier this week, you know, with GameStop launching uh, on Loopring, right? That's an Ethereum scaling solution that makes those transactions much more manageable for, you know, smaller token holders. So I think there is a big time awareness of the fact that for a lot of folks, the fees on Ethereum are prohibitive, right? If you didn't get in early on ETH and your sort of your, your cost basis for what you're spending in ETH terms on each transaction uh, adds up to quite a bit, there needs to be sort of another room, another field for folks to play in. And I think that's what these projects are all trying to entertain. But Will, we got to give you the last word, man. You're, you're spitting fire today. We got to give you the last word on this. Any other topic that you want to talk on? I'm deferring to you before we wrap. Anything? Even Anything. nothing with ApeCoin? Anything. 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 Whatever you want. Ooh. Wow. Anything. Zach has never given that freedom to anyone. Ooh. Ooh. One question. Does Sam Baconfried's Afro regrow to its prior greatness in the next few months <laughs> as we enter into a bear market? Prior Afro was great. It was great. Bear market Afro, 2018, 2020. But now it's, it's yeah, Sam, like it's not doing great. Like we need to get some more conditioner in there. What do you think? Think it gets better? Maybe he gets better. Gonna... I think it gets better. There's more time maybe to I think more sleep. conditioning, the grooming, sleeping. More time. I know, but I mean, with all this politics now, it could get worse. It could be mm. short because he's going to be running for I've president. I just bring that up because we talked about the beginning of the show with some bit on my mind. So I don't know. I think it's great. That was good. That was good. We're going to start tracking this and we can do uh, regular updates to just track growth. So that's good stuff. All right. Good times. Here, Way to close here. it. I appreciate that, Will. That was good. We're going to shut it down on that note. That was the hash for today. The hash will be back tomorrow on Coindesk TV. Also, got to check us out on the podcast. Podcast Network. Shout out to everyone who makes the podcast sound so so good go check it out download it or whatever and listen to us on the go wherever you find your podcasts all right that's it consensus again it's coming up soon june 9th through 12th austin texas come check it out we'll see you there have a great day talk to you later bye bye you've been listening to the hash on the coindesk podcast network 
We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com Goals24. That's Chime.com Goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.